and welcome to Neither the Flux Nor the Jericho, a brand new podcast about the character of Eustatius Jericho from Doctor Who Flux. My name is David and today I am joined by a man whose friendship I shall spurn unless he immediately confirms that he is also a fan of Jericho, Matt. Hello there. You fan of Jericho? He's okay, isn't he? I don't know him well enough. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, well, um, we shall discuss Jericho and, I guess, other aspects of Village of the Angels in due course. Um, and uh, But before we get there, um, how's your week been, Matt? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. It's been my final week off work. Can, mm. can I regale you with a story, David? Of course you can, Matt. Okay, well, Friday was, like, the happiest day. It was just great. Like, I had Uh such a lovely day. So I woke up and the sun was shining. And I thought... It immediately put me in a good mood. I thought, I'm going to treat myself today. I'm going to have a little day out. Mm -hmm. So I woke up, you know, had a shower, got dressed. And then when I was going out to my car... I realised there's two tracks from the new Arcade Fire album have been released, so I was in a great mood. And it was a beautiful day, and I thought, do you know what? I'll go to the little coffee shop over the road from my house before I get in the car and get a coffee. And it was beautiful, David. I had a clear drive through to York. There was no traffic on the road. It was amazing. And then where I park in York, a little car park called Marygate, you have to cut through the museum gardens... Mm-hmm. Just walked through there, and there was like a military band playing. So I got another coffee, sat in the sun, listened to that. It was beautiful. Like everything was going my way. I was in a great mood. Yes. Uh, you know, I went around the shops, I treated myself, I bought some art to go in my flat. It was lovely. And when I was just, you know, on top of the world in such a good mood, I thought, yes. I'm going to go. Just, I don't even know why. I was in WH Smith's. And I thought, we've discussed it on the podcast. I'm going to buy Doctor Who magazine. So uh-huh. yeah. I, I found it. I don't know if you've got this month. It comes in a little bag. There's like posters and cards. Oh, yes. and... Um, the, 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 the poster of um, Pertwee uh, practising a bit of Anusian Aikido on a sea devil is adorning the wall behind me as we speak. Yep, so it, it was going great. I thought, this is it. Yeah. I picked it up. I went to the till. You know, uh-huh. nice young lady at the till. Big smile on her face. She said, uh-huh. £9.99. And I just said, I don't think so, and walked away. <laughs> yeah, it's not cheap. You should subscribe, Matt. £9.99. Yeah. No, not for me. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, this is why print media is dying. Yeah. Who buys those magazines in WH Smith? They do have a lot, don't they? And they're all really specifically niche. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've been tempted by um, the uh, Prog magazine on multiple occasions. But it's just, it's too rich for my blood. Uh, you know, as uh, uh, Doctor Who magazine is my one uh, sort of print media indulgence these days. Yeah, well, you know, I, 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 can't, thought... I, can't be, I can't be spending nearly a tenner every month just to, you know, read a retrospective on Yes. 
I know well, about yes already. <laughs> I, I thought I'll buy my, I'll treat myself. I'll buy a copy of White Dwarf, the Warhammer magazine, yeah. and you know I'll go sit in the sun with a coffee and just kill the afternoon reading that. Mm-hmm. And there was like four or five wargaming magazines for you know really niche historical battle games. And I was just like, who is paying for that? No, thank you. You know. Some people, clearly. Um, I mean, there is a lot to be said for a nice magazine. It, it, it is, a, it, it is a, a unique, nice thing to do, I think, you know, to, it, to, to really just sort of indulge your interest in something niche um, for a bit. But it, it definitely, it is an indulgence, mm. you know, because there's nothing printed. No magazine that's been printed in the last 15 to 20 years contains any information that cannot be immediately found on the internet. Yeah. Like, just... No. Just... Yeah. It's, it's, it's a shame, but, uh, but uh, uh, genuinely, uh, maybe at some point I should just... I should uh, rip through my next issue and then lend it to you so we can have why, a chat about it. Why don't it. we start an unofficial Doctor Who magazine and charge £4 for it? And we'll make an absolute killing. I mean, you 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 say that as though the market is not already crowded with multiple Doctor Who fanzines. Oh God! Well, we'll just tell everyone ours is the best. So. Oh yes, well that would definitely be a convincing argument. Yeah. Well, although that put a dampener on my good mood, let me tell you about my good yeah. mood, David. Yes, yes. Because did, 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 did you manage to come out of that nosedive? Uh, no, I immediately got in my car, drove home in a massive sulk. <laughs> I haven't slept since. It's really, really <laughs> shocked me. Um, but going back in time, that was on Friday. If you go back all the way to Monday, David, I had a yes. lovely evening. Did you? Yeah. I got to meet all our friends from our various podcast friends, as well as those mm-hmm. boys from the Who Can Convince You podcast, and have oh, yes. a lovely, you know, lovely chat and catch up. Uh, it, I think it's the best after show we've ever done. It was lovely. I really enjoyed it. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I, I, I genuinely am I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hoping to sort of pop it on when I get a bit of quiet time at work uh, in the coming week. Yeah. No, it, it was yeah. great. I thought about putting them all in the Martin McLean Hall of Fame. Yeah. You don't want to overuse that, though. That, yeah, you didn't you sound don't. thrilled at that proposition, so I think I'll hold off. <laughs> They've got to really earn it, you know. Yeah. You can't just be throwing it out willy-nilly. Yeah. Um, what about you? How's your week been? Oh, yeah, it's been all right. Um, to be honest, it's been hard. It's hard for me to now... I mean, I've had a very busy week at work, and today my partner was out doing a dog training thing all day. Mm-hmm. So it was just me uh, looking after little Zorbs, our dog, uh, because he sadly he's he's his uh, his dog event days are over. He's f- fully in retirement at this point. Bless him. Um, and our incredibly annoying cat. So, between meeting all of their needs for the entire day, I haven't 
had a lot of opportunity to meet my own. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, a, I, I, I'm a little run ragged, to be honest. But I have at least now had a chance to sit down, re-watch Village of the Angels, and I'm very much looking forward to talking to you about that. Um, but other than that, I don't really have anything... I don't think that anything exciting has happened. Do we have a joke this week? This week? I've got one, and I think it's a winner, David. <sighs> okay, well, I think it, it's not going to have much competition, because I did ask uh, Little Zorbs for a joke earlier. Um, but instead of a joke, he just started climbing up on the sofa and uh, taking our pictures off the walls. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> more of a performance art piece, if I'm being yeah. honest. Absolute disrespect there. Yeah, um, Little Zorbs has definitely... He he has hit full, just pesky little oik stage mm-hmm. at the moment. He is all about finding the boundaries and gleefully skipping over them. Wow. Well, absolutely. So it's been, it's been a... F- yeah, it's, it's been a fun day. Um, so, Matt, yep. what's your joke? So this Keep comes me up with a joke. This comes again from my niece, and she's right. been hitting miss in the past. But I think this is a winner. I'm ready. Knock knock. Who's there? Little old lady. Little old lady who? Oh, I didn't know you could yodel. <laughs> that is a good one. That is a winner, That's, isn't she, it? It's friendly. Yeah. It's not aggressive or offensive. It's just a well, winner, that. She can't have come up with that herself, surely. No, but she was telling me that in her... And this is quite a sweet story. In yeah. her class at school, yeah. if if ever, you know, there's a falling out or something bad happens in the class, you know, or someone's upset, yeah. uh, they, they have the opportunity... To put their hand up and tell a joke to try and cheer everyone up again. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I think system. it was a I think it was a case of like, oh, we need a joke and someone told that one. So Ah. Uh, yeah, that's a banger. Good work. Yeah. Um alright, um shall we do the old A to Z? We shall, we shall. Uh, let me just turn back in my notes and find it. And we're good to go. It's slim pickings this week, David. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want to tell the listeners what uh, what letter we're on this week? Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh what, Matt? What, we, oh, what, what letter we're doing this week? Let's just dedicate this to the song Oh, What a Night by Frankie Valley. That's going in the Hall of Fame for me. All right, okay, that's your it's choice, ba- It's mate. better than um, any of the Doctor Who options. Um, <laughs> Do you want some, what have you epi- got that? some episodes? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. What do you think of Oxygen? I quite like Oxygen. I think it's a good episode of Doctor Who. Uh, I can vaguely remember it. Um, what do you think of Orphan yeah. 55? Um, I think that is a mixed bag of an episode, but... Um, Severely underrated. It does not deserve its reputation as the worst episode of New Who. From last week, David, what about Once Upon Time? Um, 
yes. Uh, I yeah. I, I think I said at the time. I think it's a good a good episode. Like, I get why it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I just admire the ballsiness of that episode. Right. Shall we do some aliens? Yeah. Go on. Okay. Ogrons. Yeah, you've not had the, the, the pleasure of encountering an Ogron yet, have you? No, but they were a popular choice in listener tweets this week. Yeah, they're, they're, I think Ogrons are due a comeback. We've, t- we've ticked Sea Devils off the list, so I think we, we're getting down towards Ogrons in the pecking order in terms of classic monsters that are due a, a, re, uh, a revival. What about Ogre? Ah, the Ogre from uh, Stones of Blood, yeah. I mean, one of my absolute favourite classic Who stories. So, uh, yeah, love an Ogre. What about the Opterra? Uh, now, are they from... Yes, Web Planet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I lo- yeah, I love everything about the Web Planet. Okay. What about the Ood? Loads of people suggested ood's this week and they all put the same yeah. message it was like i think it's ood I love an ood like yeah all right i yeah. get the joke okay yeah. i got it the yeah. first time someone said it mm-hmm. i mean i will say that i love an ood right well you're lucky because i was very close to banning <laughs> and blocking yeah i mean i think it's fair to say Oods are probably second only to the Weeping Angels, more on which in due course, in terms of new who creatures uh, that are that have become iconic in their own right. You know, if if you know, heaven forfend, Doctor Who went off the air for an extended period again. One of the things you would do to really make people feel like, oh yeah. Uh, Doctor Who is back is throw some moods into the trailer. That would work, you know, wouldn't it? In, in terms of like getting people to take a, a revival seriously, in the same way that you know, in the original trailer, you've, you've got the Daleks and stuff like that. They, they they are iconic at this point. Cancelled a lot. That's what I say. <laughs> um, do you want some characters? Yes, please. Clara Oswald. Ah, yes. Yep. What about Graham O'Brien? Yeah, he was fine. And I'll be honest, David, I I only ever Google companions and then sometimes I either think, and I totally forgot, there's obviously Osgood as well. Oh, yes. Yes, there is indeed. Oz, not very good, if you ask me. Oh. Right. And there's five words, Matt. That is literally it for me this week, David. Yeah. I haven't well, got any um, actors want... or anything. Uh, do you want some writers? Uh, not really, but it's never stopped you in the past. No. Geoffrey um, Orme, who wrote The Underwater Menace, often considered one of the very worst uh, stories of the black and white era. Two of the episodes are missing from it. And is that considered right, a good any... thing? <laughs> Some people probably would say it is. It's, um, yeah, it's a wild one. I I don't entirely hate the underwater menace. 
you know my theory that you know there are two kinds of bad doctor who stories you've got your um complete disasters and then you've got your noble failures i'd say underwater menace is more of a noble failure kind of a story mm-hmm. um but it's not you know i'm not gonna sit here and say that oh yeah it's like great family entertainment yeah because it, it it's weird and bad. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, yeah. So Jeffrey, you're that's it. That's all your writers. It is slim pickings this week, isn't it? Mm. It really is. Just going to be a shot. Um, so what's your what's your nomination then? What genuinely? What what are you going for? I don't know. I thought I might go for Clara, but when I yeah. thought about it, I I quite like Clara's era, but not because of Clara. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. I mean, in isolation, she is not a likeable character. No. But that's sort of not the point, and that's kind of refreshing, you know. Up until that point, especially in You Who, the companions were, you know, there to be kind of like your best mate, you know, carrying you through this adventure. And then suddenly you get, Clara, who is, you know, manipulative and mean at times and a bit full of herself. And, uh, yeah, I, I, but I think very, very interesting as a character, as a result. Um, and a very welcome change. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Clara would be my choice. No, I think I think I am going to go Clara just because. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to pick Orphan Fifty Five, am I? Well, you could pick Oxygen. You yeah, could pick can... uh, Once Upon Time. You had a good time with that, right? No, not really. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm going to go with Clara. All right. Okay. What was yours? You know you... what? I'm... Oh, I yeah. just randomly started yeah. playing some noise there. Sorry, what was yours, David? You know what I'm going to say, Matt. You're going to go for Do I need to spell it out for you? No. I'm not going for Ood. Sounds good. Yeah. You know, Osgood's great. But she's not, David. She is. She's not. I'm not happy about this. What what makes us so good? Um, in large part, I think it is Ingrid Ingrid Oliver's performance. I think she makes a very yeah. But um, when, whenever I've asked anyone what makes her so yeah. good, it's all full on like Doctor Who nerds who are like, oh, yeah. she's one of us. She's one of us. Well, she don't represent me. I'd be I'd be very upset if that was representing me. <laughs> yes, but. Also, you're not a Doctor Who fan, Matt. No. In fact, I think the character that best represents me in Doctor Who is the Scovox Blitzer. <laughs> just the merciless automaton. Yeah. You know, it was just like Sir Killalot, and people do sweet flips over the top of me all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, actually. Um, if I had to think, yeah. who represents me best? In, I don't know, maybe Rory. Like, everything's just a bit of an effort, and, you know... I yeah. feel burdened yeah. by activities a lot of the time. In some ways, 
you are the Rory to my Amy Pond in the sense whoa, that whoa, 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 whoa—they were a married okay. couple. They had children. No, 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 no. But let, but hear me out, Matt. Hear me out. In specifically in the sense that I am dragging you on week after week on adventures in the world of Doctor Who, and let's be honest. Generally speaking, you don't enjoy them. But you're sort of... You're, you're indulging me. You're still doing it. You're coming along. You could have ended this a long time ago. And I, I can only presume it is because you're madly in love with me. Well, I, I don't know if you've listened to uh, Britain's worst Doctor Who podcast, Who Can Convince You This Week. But they... they, uh, oh, they uh... is, 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 is official, the... the um... You know, the, the votes have come in. Yeah, the ballot's been counted, and they were voted the yeah. worst. Um, oh, congratulations, but, lads. But they read some Doctor Who fan fiction this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was quite weird. There was a lot about Dan and Carvanista and the Doctor and... Uh... Oh, yeah, D- Dan Vanista. That, what a ship that is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want one where it's like me and you, now that you've planted that rumour in their head. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe you see us as a married couple. You've never once mentioned that to me, and now I don't know what to think. <laughs> Alrighty, well, um, shall we move swiftly on, eh? Yeah, an awkward end to the A to Z this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so, are you ready for a bit of news, Matt? Always. Always. Okay. So it's a bit of a break with tradition because, if you recall, last week we ended on a two-parter, isn't it? Two-parter. So we're going to work out how to save the show, aren't we? Yeah. um, But before we do that, we we probably should address um, the big news of the week. Mm. The casting of the fourteenth Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and well, I'll be honest, I didn't see this one coming. No, no. Well, I, I owe you an apology, David. Mm-hmm. Because after whatever of the Sea Devils last week, yeah, I saw the Next Time trailer. Okay. Okay. And I sent you a message and said, look, I called this ages ago. Ace is back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... You know, I said, when RTD returns, if anything's going to happen, he's going to bring back Ace in exactly the same way that he used Sarah Jane. Yeah. And lo and behold, here we are. Uh, We've got that trailer. Chibnall's beaten him to the punch. Yep, yep. Well, that is a misdirect, because Sophie Aldred has actually been cast. You know, yeah. you know, like when Capaldi was like a man in Pompeii or whatever, and then yeah. he was the Doctor. It's exactly the same here. Yeah. No. And, of course, Colin Baker was in uh, Ark of Infinity, mm. playing, oh, what was the name of his character? Was it Maxim? I think Commander Maxim, mm. who was a Time Lord. So he's played not one but two different Time Lords. Um. So, yeah, it's certainly not without precedent. Yeah. So um, everyone on the internet the that was, was like, oh, Ace is back. You're actually wrong. Yeah. She's not. Yeah. So no, it's it's uh, it's all a clever misdirect. Yeah. 
yet again, I yeah. was right and everyone else was wrong. Yeah, that's the important takeaway. Here. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right, should we save Doctor Who, Matt? Let's do it. So. <coughs> Excuse me. Last week, we covered the first three points. Double down on fun and adventure. Decide that less is more. Set it mostly in the past. Oh, for context, listeners, if you are if you didn't listen to last week's for some reason, we are looking at the recent Guardian article, Ditch the TARDIS, Seven Ways Russell T. Davies Could Revive Doctor Who by Martin Bellum. So we've done those first three points. So the next one is we're on to the, the, uh, the one from the headline here. Ditch the TARDIS for a while. Why not force a huge story structure change onto the writers? John Pertwee's Doctor was exiled to Earth, mostly for BBC budgetary reasons, but one twist on the format that hasn't been done on TV over an extended period of time is a Doctor seeking a lost TARDIS. A hunt for the time machine would become the MacGuffin of the week, and we could get to see a Doctor hitchhiking their way through the galaxy on a continuous quest. Wow, it's like they haven't seen the Ghost Monument. <laughs> Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, it, genuinely, it's what I thought Series Eleven was going to be, mm. and I was I was excited for that as a concept. And then, yeah, they immediately ditched that idea at the end of the Ghost Monument, and uh, yeah, off we go. It's business as usual. I do think that would work. I worry that that having sort of had that half-hearted attempt at it, it would feel a bit forced to try it again so soon mm-hmm. but I do think it's it's a story concept with potential I could go for a series or so of the, the Doctor hunting for the TARDIS yeah it'd be watchable I think it could be quite fun yeah 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 it would certainly give them opportunity to do a different structure oh this is an interesting one a Doctor of the Week every week what if there was no one you Doctor with a quick narrative device to produce an unstable regeneration, you could have a new high-profile doctor every week. Can I, can I just possible... stop you there, David? Yep. I hate that idea. Do you? Yeah. Why do you hate it, Matt? Tell me. Because, say for example, right, let's go episode one of the new series. You are the Doctor of the Week. They've cast you, David. Ooh, exciting. Right. Now, the next week, it's not you, it's... Let's say it's me, right? Yeah. Now, what you've done there is create a problem, because either you are going to be a better Doctor than me, and everyone will be like, oh, no, Matt was rubbish, we want David back full-time, or you won't be as good as me, and everyone will be saying you're rubbish, and you've got the same problem that you have now with Jodie Whittaker, where people are just dissatisfied and just you know no I don't like that idea one bit I think as a short term thing it could be fun it's something that has been speculated about that might be a route that they go down for the 60th Mm -hmm. I think for a short run it could be fun it would be interesting it would give Big Finish a lot of opportunities they'd be very happy Mm. um I do get what you're saying, though. Uh, and I think what, what what the writer suggests here is that it gives you the opportunity to star like A-listers, um, like Hugh Grant and Judy Dench and Riz Ahmed and, uh, you know, people like that. 
and yeah, you you, you could do that. Um, and those, I mean, those actors, they're not going to care whether anyone thinks they're the best or the worst Doctor ever, because it's, you know, a bit of fun for them. Um, but I, I certainly don't think it's something with a long shelf life as an idea. You couldn't, like, make that the new permanent format of the show. No, no, absolutely not. It'd yeah. be terrible. So the next point we've got here is aim it unashamedly at 12-year-olds. Curse of a long-lived fantasy franchise is you end up with grown-up fans demanding increasingly grown-up stories, forgetting that they fell in love with the idea of the show as a child. RTD could build the fan base for the next 60 years with an early time slot, casting a younger Doctor with teenage companions to run riot in space. Uh, shows such as Sarah Jane Adventures creeped out in MI High have shown that the BBC can produce adventure programmes for older children with enough nods to movie pastiches wider world of moral lessons to raise a smile for adults and provide that broader family appeal um, don't like that idea either no I think to me that sounds almost like he's saying dumb it down mm. And I'm not a fan of that. I think that, you know, Doctor Who is a show that, you know, helps kids feel smart. It's a, it's a show that should feel like it is that you feel a bit grown up for watching as a child. Yeah. Not the kind of show that is just talking down to you and occasionally throwing in a joke to, to get a wry smile out of the adult begrudgingly sitting on the sofa next to you. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a fan of that as a, as, a, as a direction. I think we sort of got a glimpse of what that might have been like uh, back with Rose, in fact. You know, there's some weirdly CBBC-ish moments in that first episode yeah i think when we watched it i said it was very hollyoaks like the opening yeah yeah it just it's such a careful balancing act um and yeah i, w I would hate for it to go down the route of just being something pitched squarely at a preteen audience because mm -hmm. yeah i think i would just limit it and doctor who is you know it's not about limitations it's about endless possibilities. Um, and the last point here, which, you know, fair dues, do anything you want, you're Russell T. Davis. <laughs> wow, I can't believe Davis I want... waited a week for that. <laughs> yeah. Davis once described Doctor Who as the hardest show to write on television, but pitched the revival of it to the BBC in the early noughties simply as being about friends having an adventure in space. Wherever form, uh, sorry, whatever form it takes in 2023, we can expect a surprise. He told the Radio Times in February that he has already been writing and that, quote, there are things coming up that are brand new ways of telling the stories that have never been done before. So it just feels new. It's a self-renewing show. Um, yeah, it's fine. I mean, at the end of the day, he's right. RTD gets it. RTD gets Doctor Who. And he gets TV. And he's not... He's not a writer who is one to rest on his laurels and allow things to become stagnant. 
So I fully expect that he, you know, I I believe RTD when he says that he's trying new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very excited to see it. We'll just have to wait and see. And uh, I think Sophie Aldred is going to smash it out of the park. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go, Matt. So where do we go from here? Um, I think it's time to talk about Village of the Angels. Mm. Did we get any uh, thoughts from our listeners oh, this week? Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was hoping we could just move on. But yes, hold on, let me just plug my laptop in properly. <clears throat> so yes, yes we did, David. Let me just fire up my phone. Sorry, my sleeve fell down there. Right, there we go. Right. Uh, there's quite a few this week, David. So if you want to go make a cup of tea, just yeah, you know, duly noted. <clears throat> right, we actually got a couple of new people tweet us this week, David. Ooh, exciting! Yeah. So do you want to say hello to Fraser Gregory? Hi, Fraser. Uh, he says it's my least favourite of the Flux stories. Gorgeous locations, ambiance, and direction, and some brilliant dialogue, but the plot is sacrificed for arc elements. There was a cracking little Neil-esque story there until it got fluxed and the and the joins show. Oh, and the, ah. and the joins show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kevin McNally is superb. And then he says, O is for the Ogron. And then we got a reply from Gruntly the Ogron who says, O is always for the Ogron. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Uh, then we got a message from David Brunt. Do you want to say hello, David? Hello, greetings, fellow David. Who says Omega? Don't forget Omega. Oh, we did forget Omega. So there you go, Omega. Good one. Uh, and then we got a message from Doctor Grimlock, who just simply said "Stones of Blood." I don't really know what that means. Stones of Blood. Uh, uh, presumably that's a reference to the Ogre. Okay. From Stones of Blood. Okay. Maybe. I'll let them off. We got that. Either that was flipping production codes again. Yeah. But we'll have to talk about that in a moment, won't we? Yeah. yeah. Do we, do, should we just address it now? <clears throat> yeah. Um, on Twitter this morning. We got cause... absolutely schooled this week, didn't we? Yeah. So um, last week we were scratching our heads over James Courtney's... Uh, mention of the web planet for for the letter n turns out of course that was the production code for the web planet um uh, so yes so thanks to mark from the uh all of time and space podcast for uh unraveling that mystery for us yeah and a big thanks to james Courtney for making us look real silly (laughs) right i don't know i to be honest i think you could argue that you look sillier if you can uh, if you come across as someone who has memorised all the production codes for Classic Who. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. N yeah. can also be for nerd, can't it? Right, let's move on. It can. <clears throat> I've got a real cough this week. I don't know why. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right. Speaking of Mark from All of Time and Space, uh, he says yep. it's an all right episode and O is for Osgood. Yep, agreed. Then we got 
a message from the Married to Who podcast who says, O is for Ood, I love an Ood. And then a little gif of a dancing Ood. Yeah. Thin ice. Thin ice there. <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh, we then got a tweet from Britain's Worst Podcast, Who Can Convince You? Um, surprisingly, yep. it's all spelt correctly, David. Uh, they Ooh. say, O is for Ogron, or is it for O, do we have to watch it? Uh, yeah. It's... Uh, <laughs> the perennial uh, dilemma of the grumpy Doctor Who fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, we then got a message from Amy. Say hello, David. Hello, Amy. Amy says, I'm a sucker for Weeping Angels, as they are my favourite. I like the expanded bits, like the Fire Angel. I don't like them working in the Division. Uh, I like Jericho. 13 turning into an angel was cool. Weird that 13 wasn't worried for Yaz and Dan when the angel showed. O is for Oxygen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, great episode. Yeah. Then we've got a message from Rob from the Cloister Bell. Say hello, David. Hi, Rob. Uh, I was meant to meet Rob this week, but we both both forgot. We'd organised we were going to have a big pod meet-up, David. I was going to oh. go to Newcastle and see him, but then we both forgot. Um, so, it, Rob says, Village of the Angels was decent. Introduced us to Jericho. Again, Flux is mostly a blur, but I'll give it another watch soon. Definitely one of the better Angel stories. And O is for overnight ratings. Who cares? <laughs> yes, very relevant to the current fan discourse in relation to Legend of the Sea Devils. Right. It's exhausting. Ratings yeah. chat. Reading all these tweets is exhausting. We're not even halfway through. Say hello to James Swifty Swift, David. Hi, James. James says, what beautiful looking episode, beautifully written, just all round, very good. Maxine Alderton continues her great work and is easily the best writer of the Whitaker era. Yeah. I would agree with that. Okay. We then have Luke from Who Can Convince You, the better half of that podcast, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> and he says, if you're enjoying Flux so far, then maybe give this episode a skip because it's actually okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right. Do you want to say hello to Ariel? Hi, Ariel. Who says, started out pretty interesting with the setup, but it got pretty weird at the end, and I found a lot of what was going on confusing. The Doctor becoming an angel was not as interesting to me as they seemed to think it was. Continued love and investment in Bell and Vinda, and always for Ood, love and Ood. There we go. Get over it. All right. Right. <laughs> uh, next up is Kimberly. Do you want to say hello, David? Hi, Kimberly. Who says, this might be my favourite of the miniseries. We get to meet Jericho, who is just great. Loved that cliffhanger also. Also, I'm going to say, oh, it's for Ood. Love and Ood. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> People right. do love and Ood, don't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, do you want to say hello to James Courtney? Hi, James. James Courtney says, What a cliffhanger. 
It's a great episode, probably the best of the series, but then we haven't had a bad Weeping Angel episode yet. I don't think James has seen The Angels Take Manhattan. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's a bold take. I, I don't know, some people love that episode. Never understand it. It's great that it doesn't just remake Blink. It also makes me more interested in the cliffhanger at the end of class. I groaned at the time. I don't think you know the cliffhanger at the end of class, David, because you're not an absolute connoisseur like me and James. Yeah, I, I know a weeping angel is involved, but I don't know much beyond that. Yeah, yeah. High-class gentlemen like me and James, we know it. Okay? And then he says, yeah. like, do you, know, do you know who James Courtney is? I'm going to give him a new nickname instead of James, son of Nicholas Courtney. He's like the bloody yeah. Riddler out of Batman, out of the new Batman. <laughs> Not where it's like a comedy, like, riddle me this. Just where he talks absolute madness. He says, O is for an unearthly child, Lung Barrow, the TV movie, and the timeless children. More precisely, the thing that unites them all. Don't have a clue. I'm assuming it's Origins, but I don't know. Come on, James. Oh, yeah, that's a good guess. I hadn't, I hadn't even considered that. Yeah, Origins. Um... Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd yeah. send James a message, like, asking what he's on about, but he'd just start singing Ave Maria, like the bloody uh, Riddler. <laughs> right. Back to normality. Say hello to Sonia, David. Hi, Sonia. Sonia says, It definitely made the angels scary again. I love Jericho. It keeps my attention the whole way through, and I like the angels choosing not to move and the idea of a rogue angel. I liked Belle and Vinda's storyline. Overall, good episode. O is for Oswin Oswald. Oh, yes. Yeah. The original, mm. you might say. Right, David. Yes. Got two more tweets to go. Right, First of all, we're going to BT Flibbity Giggard. So, David, please say hello. <clears throat> okay, give me one moment to prepare, Matt. Bearing in mind, last week's was the best you've ever done. So. Yeah. No pressure. <clears throat> and a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Greetings, curator. How do you do? Please tell us your thoughts about this episode of Doctor Who. David, we're never doing that joke again. I'm going to crop that audio, and that is it every week now. <laughs> I fucked up the ending, that is but there you go. Absolute perfection. Like <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. I was thinking when I when I prepared that, I was like, "This is the series finale." David, I'm not. I, there is no topping it. David, if, if we went into a lab and distilled pure comedy, that's what we would make. <laughs> I'm so proud. Well, of thank you. you. I never thought you would be your impression of a sea devil. <laughs> But back in time, I never thought you'd surpass yeah. it when you did it in French or <laughs> when it was a computer. This gets better. Nothing's beating that. No, I, and, I, I, and I very much had the same thoughts um, over the course of the week that it's taken me to prepare that. Congratulations, BT Flippity Giggard. You've got your own theme music forever now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh dear! Oh, At least let me do a clean take of the ending because I, I, I screwed up a chord there. It, but it, anyway, no, well, well, that makes it even better. 
to be fair, I have only, um, I, I've only been practicing the ukulele regularly again for about three weeks. Yeah, we've got to keep it imperfect because okay. I think this joke all started one week when you said "creepings curator," and it's just grounded around. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Right. Anyway, um, that, that's enough of that. Um, what does what does the curator have for us this week? Uh, this is the best Weeping Angels episode since Blink. Genuinely love the angel choosing not to move when 13 turns away from it. It makes the angel scarier and more malicious. Not a fan of them being working with Division. I don't like the idea of anyone being able to control the angels. O is for Oxygen, a.k.a. my favourite episode of season 10 outside the finale. Mm. Right. Good stuff. Final tweet of the week, David. Yeah, I'm ready for it. It's from the one and only Mr. Marty McLean. Marty, Marty, Marty. Marty, 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 Marty. M A R T Y. M A R T Y. Marty, been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But me and Marty have been discussing breakfast cereal rather than uh, Doctor Who, and right, okay, far more enjoyable conversation. Uh, Marty mm-hmm. says, "I thought nothing could top War of the Sontarans until this episode. I definitely have my criticisms. One being this story would work better outside of Flux. Overall, very enjoyable. But let's hope Chibbers can catch all these balls he's juggling." Rating, 8 out of 10, Tim Tam Slams in Hot Milo. That's an Australian mm. joke, David. You probably don't get it. No, it's gone way over my head. It's, it's certainly not as though we've had multiple conversations about Tim Tam Slams in Milo at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder, like, I'm certain there's so many topics of conversations we must have discussed four or five times, and every time we just go, oh, I don't know if I've discussed this on pod. And then we just repeat our life stories. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I think it is the curse of every podcaster after after a certain point. Because, you know, I don't think... that There are very few human beings in the world who are interesting enough to actually sustain hundreds and hundreds of hours of chit-chat. No, but that's why you invent, <laughs> invent you know, meal of the week and stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. It's what the, it's what the format's there for. I, I did think, um, David, speaking... I think I'm right in yeah. saying this will be something like episode 177 or 178. And yeah. I did think when we get to episode 200, I'm going to bring back yeah. every feature for one week. <laughs> so, that could work. So we'll do Would I Lie to Who, we'll do Meal of the Week... We'll do Man Who Refuses to be Wrong about Doctor Who on Twitter. Just everything that we've only ever done everything like, we've ever once done. or twice. You know, we'll talk about <laughs> Robot Wars again. That'll be good, won't it? Um, oh, I'd enjoy that. Yeah. And At some point, you know your what? partner I... can come in and ask you to fix the telly because she doesn't know what button she's pressed. It, it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, I, I am hoping... We, we don't know yet because there's no official broadcast date. I'm, I'm secretly keeping my fingers crossed that maybe the centenary special 
will line up with episode 200. Uh-huh. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah. We might even end up like stalling for a week or something if we have to. Yeah, well, we'll do a couple Just of bonus episodes. The worst will be if it's early and we have to drop two episodes a week. Oh, gosh. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Anyway. Um, okay. Um, Matt, please tell me, what did you think of Village of the Angels? Um, I'm going to say good episode, some bad bits. Fair. But, like, all the way through it, like, I must have watched this in two or three sittings. I was constantly getting up and tidying. Like, it didn't really yeah. hold my interest. But then when it finished, mm. I went, oh, that was pretty good, actually. I quite like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I find it a very engaging episode. Mm-hmm. I think it is a very... Especially for what is a very cumbersome series of Doctor Who. You know, yeah. which, as Marty alluded to, a lot of balls in the air. Um it, it, it manages, I think, to be one of the more focused episodes, mm-hmm. all things considered. Um, and it is, I would say, definitely the strongest. Is Do I like it more than I like Time of Angels, Fresh and Stone? I don't know. I think it's about on par for me right. in terms of use of the angels. Um, so yeah, I would agree. Good episode, some minor bad bits, but overall, probably the strongest of the series so far. Mm-hmm. I think it's not a controversial thing to say. Um, so yeah, should we dive into it? Right. Well, this is Village of the Angels, episode four of season thirteen, Flux, mm-hmm. from the twenty-first of November, twenty twenty-one. Yeah. It is written by Chris Chibnall and Maxine Alderton. Yes, the the only episode to be credited to anyone other than Chibnall. Yeah, I think it shows, because it's certainly the strongest so far. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Directed by Jamie Magnus Stone. Yeah. So, we open in 1967 where we see somebody is performing a series of psychological tests. Uh, there's a lie detector and electrodes strapped to somebody's head. And outside, we see a vicar who finds a note that says, Leave now. Ooh, intrigue. Immediate intrigue. Yeah. Uh, we see the person sitting the tests is Claire from earlier episodes. Um, so... Yes. The, well, we know it's Professor Jericho later on, is asking her date of birth, and she says, oh, I was born in the 80s. And then when he says, sorry, what? She goes, oh, the 30s. Because quite clearly this is after she was zapped by that weeping angel. Yeah. Okay. In the village, uh, people are searching for a girl called Peggy. In particular, there is a Mrs. Hayward who's involved having a look. Mm -hmm. And... We flip back to the lie detector with Claire, where the control question suggests she is lying, even though uh, Jericho, in inverted commas, knows the answers to be true. Yes, indeed. Um, Whilst they're discussing this, Claire has some sort of weird seizure where she speaks and is possessed 
by a big evil voice that says, the angel has the TARDIS. Yeah. Bit of intrigue. Yeah. It's good, good, good setup. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I love... I, I, I think something that Doctor Who has really taught me is that I am just a sucker for uh, mid-20th century period lab equipment. Right, okay. I, yeah, I, it's a very niche thing, but I just... It, it, the second you've got... Um, an episode, an episode where, uh, or just anything that's got like you know banks of old reel-to-reel computers, or you know, like you see on on the the sort of like the, the old-fashioned um, like graph monitor, scratchy mm-hmm. things with the pens, um, you know, valve-operated machinery, things with big dials and switches. I just there's something about that aesthetic. That I absolutely love. Yeah, it's kind of hard to put my finger on why exactly I like all that stuff. Um, possibly as a result of the fact that my, my dad was uh, a shortwave radio enthusiast. Right, okay. So I very that much grew up around, you know, gutted homemade radios and, you know, uh, pots full of diodes and things like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just makes me happy. So the second we we sort of got that established, I was immediately sort of like on board for whatever we're doing this week. Um, And uh, yeah, very, very, very intriguing start to the episode. Right. Okay. So then after the credits, we're on board the TARDIS. We see the angel piloting it. I like this effect where the lights are flickering on and off. And as it is, the angel's moving. Um, And the Doctor says, look, I'm going to reboot the TARDIS. So she grabs a couple of wires that should never be mixed together and says, we're all going to blink in unison and that will eject the angel. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they do so. And when the TARDIS lands, the Doctor suggests that actually, because of the angel piloting it, they are where the angel wanted them to land. Or certainly they could be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is 1967 from earlier. Yeah. And once they land, the sonic screwdriver goes mad. Yeah. Gets hot. Mm. Just never done before. No. It's just ran- it just does random things. It was an alarm last yeah. week. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Uh, I, I much pre- I much prefer specific creative uses of. I don't mind it being a Swiss Army knife of a, of a device, but I, I like it when it's specific rather than the Doctor just sort of waving it around and stuff magically happens. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Okay, so there is a missing girl called Peggy. We've mentioned that earlier, and Mrs. Hayward has detected extra graves in the cemetery. Uh, she talks to the vicar from earlier who says, no, 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 there's 92. And she says, well, I yeah. suggest you count them. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I... <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say this, I don't know. I, but I've got to be honest, I did have a little chuckle to myself when the vicar says, I don't believe in superstitious folklore. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, but... Come on, let's, let's keep our own prejudices out of podcasting. Come on. Yeah, we probably should. 
Okay. I don't know. I, I could get very, very sidetracked there on... Uh, uh, but uh, uh, let's move on. Um... <laughs> right. So, the Doctor is led to Claire and Professor Jericho. Uh, Claire has felt a little bit sick, and we see some drawings that she's produced, which is the TARDIS and a Weeping Angel. Yes. So because she's feeling unwell, she excuses herself, goes to the bathroom... And in the mirror, she sees that she has big angel wings. Yeah. And credit to Jamie Magnus Stone. What a shot. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It works you, well. You, you, yeah. I, I can't tell whether you actually you actually were impressed by it or not. No. I, um, I was thinking, because later on in the episode, I thought they were doing it again, but they weren't. There's a scene where Peggy, the little girl... Yeah. Is sat at a dining table on a high back chair, and it's got yeah. coats hanging on it, and it almost looked like it was repeating this scene. Oh, right. Almost, I, you know, I never spotted that. It almost looked like she had angel wings. Sorry, that's that's. I thought you were going to make that point, and I, I, I no. couldn't work out whether that was a thing or not. Whether it was just some coats hanging, or whether they tried to replicate you know, this. I, I think that probably was perhaps intentional because, of course, we do find out that Peggy has a sort of psychic link to the mm. angels. Not in quite the same way that Claire does, but there is still a connection there. Um, so that's, that's a fascinating observation. Thank you for that, Matt. Yeah. So we'll have to keep an eye out for that next time. Like I said, when I saw it, I was like, what is this? But then it's just nothing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where are we up to? Right. Vicar... I, I do think it's... I, uh, sorry, I was going to say, I do think it's fair to say at this point that Jamie Magnus Stone is sort of the definitive director of this era. Mm-hmm. Um, not every not every era has one, but I think... I think he, he always seems to get the best out of um, the material Chibnall gives him. Yeah, yeah. So the vicar does count an extra grave in the cemetery. Yeah. However, it's not yeah. a grave at all. It's a weeping angel. Oh no. Oh dear. And it gets him. Yeah. Oh. But then we never see him again, do we? No, no. So I don't know where he ends up. No. Well, Dan and Yaz see an angel as well, and it gets them yeah. as well. Everyone's getting gone. I know. Yeah. It is slightly annoying when Yaz decides to just have a good old stare at the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, it, it was like, oh no, our torch is broken. At least we've got the moonlight. When the moon goes behind a cloud, it does not become blindingly pitch black. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, you'd be surprised if you're in a very dark place and there is no other... Like, if there are no street lamps... And you know, very a a a very rural village in sixties uh, England, absolutely. You know, if there was no moonlight, there would no other be no other major sources of light around you. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's too much of a stretch, but yeah, it did just annoy me where there is that long lingering shot of Yaz just not bothering to look at the angel because she's too entranced by the beauty of the full moon. Yeah. Um, but anyway right we then take a real left turn in the story because we're back with Belle yeah. who yeah. has a little talk for a bit yeah and then she meets Neil from the Inbetweeners oh yeah nice for him to pop up yeah I was wondering so, when that was going to happen 
So it's Blake um, Harrison is the actor's yeah. name. Uh, so he's playing so, Mecca on Planet Pisano. Now I can't, I can't. I'm bad at remembering names from the in betweeners. We've had him. We've had. Yeah. Is it the bloke who plays Jay? Yeah, we've had Jay, and yeah. we've had he was an Mr. 55. Gilbert. But we have not had uh, Simon or Will. Will, yeah. Yeah. So we've got to get them ticked off the list. Yeah. That's got to be, you know, priority number one for RTD at this point. Exactly. Exactly. Casimus the Fourteenth Doctor. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah, have them standing on each other's shoulders. Just scene by scene, but not one by one. Just randomly. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the other. Oh, like um, a really underrated Mitchell Web sketch. Uh, the one where it's two, two like posh old school actors who couldn't agree on who gets to play Holmes and who gets to play Watson in a Sherlock yeah. Holmes film. Yeah. So every time the camera cuts, they swap roles. Mm-hmm. I'm there for that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Every... If you've never seen that sketch, listeners, that was that's worth uh, looking up on YouTube. The editing in it is superb. Anyway. Um, right. So everybody that's on. left after the flux has been coming to Pisano because somebody yeah. has made it their mission to help everyone. And I think it leads to. Sorry, heavily. can we hit pause again for a second? Because I do need to just have a slight Chibnall moan here. I said before, Chibnall is rubbish at alien names and planet names and things like that. I'm sorry, but Pisano just sounds like a local uh, Italian takeaway. Yeah. Oh, do you, I, 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 I can't be bothered to cook tonight. Should we, should we uh, get a Pisano's? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's a baffling choice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, on Pisano, everyone left after the flux is coming there because yeah. someone's made it their mission to help them. Again, it leans heavily into the idea this is going to be the Doctor. Okay. Yes. But the Doctor and Jericho are still in Jericho's house. They open the door. There's loads of angels outside surrounding the house. Yeah. Uh, Claire tells the Doctor that she's been here two years since they last spoke. Yeah. At which point the doorbell rings. So not only are the angels being threatening, they're just absolute pranksters, like ringing the bell, <laughs> knocking on the door, <laughs> tapping on the window. Like, they're just like teenage jobs at this point. Yeah, they're, they're over the door again. They're just all run away. Yeah. They're hiding behind a hedge giggling. Yeah. In fact, I was half expecting when the door went ding dong, it was going to be that bloke from episode one that was trick or treating at Dan's, just with like. <laughs> oh, that's that's a Doctor Who poop video waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah. Right. Make it happen, people. Um, can I? Can, so, so can I say at this point? I remember the first time I was watching this, I fully expected Jericho to be the standard Doctor Who trope of the sort of fuddy-duddy, um, you know, British colonial type who, 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 who doesn't believe the evidence of his own eyes. 
you know, and just be like, no, no, this can't be happening. I'm just going to, I'm going to be an absolute stick in the mud about this and immediately die, and you know, as a result for my stupidity. You know, it's sort of a bit like uh, in War of the Sontarans, the, the the general character in that. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely, it's it's an archetype within Doctor Who stories that you have those kinds of characters. I fully expected that to be the direction they were going with with Jericho. Um, but we're pleasantly surprised. Like, quite immediately after, when they make the decision to start barricading the doors, like, he's very put out by the fact that this wo- this crazy woman has just sort of broken into his house and started messing about. But when he realises the gravity of the situation, he just starts to roll his sleeves up and get on with it. Um, yeah, I think, like, yeah. it, it sets the bed pretty early, doesn't it? Because it's like, uh, yeah. you know, he's a man of science. He's got a real intrigue in what's going on. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, not nicely done. And we'll talk more about Jericho as, as we uh, make our way through the episode. Okay. Uh, so the Doctor tells Jericho to take the TV to the basement because uh, mm-hmm. she constructs like a crude surveillance system and when Claire so we find out Claire had been receiving like images and messages about this village prior to her disappearance yeah so she googled it and it turned out tonight is the night everyone in the village of the damned disappears yes okay so something big is on its way and once yeah. she's revealed that to the doctor, Claire turns away and does a little cry of dust. Aww. So clearly there's something linking her to the angels at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So having been shot back in time by the angel, Yaz and Dan find an abandoned village. Uh, and I thought this was quite a good bit because like, for all Dan's being a bit of a swashbuckling hero, he, he asks whether they're stuck there. And yeah. he's really forlorn. He really, you know, is lost at that idea. Yeah. That's all right. He can still get a trade to Liverpool. He'd love yeah, it. Uh, we'll cover that in a minute, because he can't. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, it's true. <laughs> right. So whilst they're having he a He doesn't know around, that at the time, though. No, no. But they do find Peggy, the little girl. Yeah. And the angels can communicate with Peggy. That's even handier. No. And they say, you mustn't leave the village. And when they ask why, she takes them there, David, and it's just the edge of the world. Like, the flux has just absolutely wrecked everything here. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool shot, isn't it? Cool image. Mm. Uh, Sorry, uh, yeah, it just... Lends an almost dreamlike quality to this mm. story. I think. I, I think we're going to say the same thing. It's like something that probably could be said for this series as a whole, really. So then Peggy says two words, David: quantum extraction. Yeah. And the same thing's happening in 1967. Mm-hmm. So. In 1967, the angel approaches Gene and Gerald, two of my favourite new characters. Yeah. I look forward to seeing a lot of them in the coming weeks. (laughs) Um, And, of course, 
they get blasted back in time. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor... Uh, yeah, we, we didn't really discuss, did we, that um, uh, something I was thinking earlier, when uh, Yaz and Dan join in with the search for Peggy, it is nice to see Yaz getting to use her police skills again. Yeah. For the first time in what She's feels asking, like, absolutely like, well, How is this organised? Is it just people walking yeah. around shouting? And it is. Yeah. And turns out, yes, it is. And like, I, d- I really like the detail of, um, you know, she's she's asking him, like, what, why are the, you, you know, is the stuff that we should know about Peggy, you know, what, you know, just so if we find her, we can reassure her. And uh, Gerald's just like, oh, she's a 10-year-old girl. What is there to know? And, um, you know, uh, obviously immediately establishes him as an arsehole, but also very much, you know, a nice sort of reflection of how times have changed. Mm. Um, it reminded me actually quite a lot of... Um, uh, oh, why am I studying back? The name? Life on Mars, which I maintain is a great series if you've never seen it. Um it's it's worth a watch, you know. It which it it, le- it leans very heavily on that thing because it's the premise is a, a policeman who's been sort of shot back in time, um, and it makes you realise how uh, how policing has changed over the last few decades. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Sorry, I I I I completely forgot to make a mention of that earlier. No, don't worry. Derailed us. Don't worry. Chronologically, um, very much like a weeping angel would have yeah. shot us back in time. Yeah. So <laughs> the doctor is using her new security system, and yeah. one of the aforementioned pictures of the angels uh, begins to reform in the fireplace because anything that holds yeah. the image of an angel can be an angel. Yeah. So it comes out the fireplace, and Claire thinks the angels want her. They're saying they're not coming to capture the Doctor. They're coming for me because I'm one of them. And we see her hands yeah. begin to turn to stone. <coughs> because she has an image of an angel in her mind. So whatever holds the image of an angel is an angel. So she is slowly turning into one. Yeah. Uh, so the Doctor says, I'm going to enter your mind. We're going to sort this out. And when she does, there's an angel with Claire on a beach. And interestingly, this is like the turning point of the whole episode, the angel requests the Doctor's help. Yeah. Uh, It's hidden itself in Claire, away from other angels, because that's what they're hunting. They're hunting this angel. They're an extraction squad for the Division. Dun-dun-dun. Interesting twist, I think. Yeah, I like that, that, you know, almost like special forces. You just call on the angels yeah. to go get whoever you want. Yeah. I know I know not everyone is a fan of... Um, I, I, I understand the school of thought that with the angels, it is always diminishing returns because every time you get a new story, there has to be some new element and that demystifies them or in some way compromises the purity of Blink as a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think so. I think there are good ways to do that. I think it's done very well in the, in terms of the additions that we get in uh, 
Flesh and Stone, Time of the Angels. And I think, again, it's done very well here. I quite like the idea of the, the Division finding a practical use for the Angels. See, go, I think that's go, interesting. Going back to when we were discussing how to save Doctor Who, my, yeah. one of my ideas is, instead of just using the Angels all the time, okay, yeah. write an episode that is a compendium of short stories where people have interacted with the Angels, right? I don't need ah. I don't need a massive story where oh no the angels are doing this that and the other, you know get set it with Clive who's gathering information, and he's found these certain stories about you know involvement of the angels. That could be fun. Yeah, that's certainly how I'd tackle it. Yeah. But anyway, that's enough about me. Yes. Okay. Uh, so. When Belle and Nemeka are having a little chat, the person comes to rescue them. Except it's Azura, who is like oh worshipped by everybody because she's going to rescue them all. She says, yeah. I'm going to take you to a safe galaxy away from the flux. You just need to join my transport. And of course, the transport is the passenger. Yeah. So, yeah, it's almost, I mean, unwittingly in this instance, but it's almost basically like a sort of suicide cult situation, isn't it? You've got these, these desperate people who feel like they've got nowhere to go and you've got this, this one person standing atop a mountain saying, don't worry, I've got you sorted. Yeah. Come along with me, my magic soul-sucking machine. Yeah, yeah. it's not um, going to end well. Yeah. No, no, it's not. Okay, so Belle knows this is all evil, and she and Nemeka escape transport. But Azure talks directly to Belle and says, don't worry, you can come next time. I mean, read the room. She doesn't want to. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Nemeka is mad at this and leaves. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Belle's I on mean, her run again. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can't blame either of them in that situation. Like, Belle is desperately trying to just save anyone she can. Um, but also, you know, it's it's not... It's, not it, it, it's almost like you could have an interesting ethical discussion. Like, does she have the right to do that if it's what he wants? Yeah. Yeah, like... Maybe maybe Bells just needs to wind her neck in a bit. <laughs> just you know. Make, I wasn't necessarily saying choices. that. I wasn't necessarily saying that, but it certainly it is. It does. It it robs it robs him of his own agency. Mm. Um. But you know, for the sake of the greater good, supposedly. But he is still then just condemned to a life on this sort of like miserable hell rock. Yep. Yeah. So, like, there's, yeah, there, there's no happy ending to that, is there? Yeah. As, far as, as far as we can see. Anyway, right. I get sidetracked. Moving on. Dan is confused by everything as the village yeah. begins to collapse. Uh, yeah. An angel appears, as do Jean and Gerald. 
we find out that you can't be double angeled, so they have to be careful. Except the statue grabs them and then breaks them into a thousand tiny pieces. Yeah, pretty brutal. Okay. But not as brutal as Peggy's response. Mm. Yeah, she's just like, <laughs> never really cared for them. <laughs> yep. I think your exact words were, he was never kind to me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to be fair, she's had a pretty traumatic go of things. You know, she's lost her parents. She's ended up with her great uncle and great aunt. Her great uncle is a, you know, does seem like an absolute nightmare. Um, and then she's found herself transported back to 1901. Mm. So I'd say cut her a bit of slack. She's She comes across a little cold in that moment. Yeah. I think that's probably not unreasonable. But it's only at this point that uh, Yaz thinks to ask Peggy if she's seen anything else. Yeah. And she just goes, oh yeah, yeah, I have actually, yeah, follow me. Um, the angels begin to communicate with Jericho and tell him to look away using his own voice. They're starting to like trick him a little bit. Yeah. And an angel begins to come through the television because obviously it holds the image of the angel. So Jericho smashes it to bits as the angels break into the basement. Yeah. And the lie detector test also starts to draw the image of an angel. Yeah. So it's all going wrong here, isn't it? It is indeed. Right. The angel inside Claire's mind that's talking to the doctor uh, says that it is also on the run from the division and the division is unstoppable. Uh, yeah. if, doctor, if the doctor stops the angels, uh, she says, would you leave Claire? Which is agreed because the angel has been hunted for knowledge, including memories taken from the doctor. Bit sauce, bit yes. sauce there, then. Yeah, indeed. Okay. So, back in the room, they put headsets on the angels, reverse the polarity of the neutron flow, and begin to escape through a tunnel. I think, is that, is that uh, Whitaker's first reversing of the polarity of the neutron flow? Uh, quite possibly. Yeah. Quite possibly. Lucky. Yeah. Okay. Uh... So they escape down Can the tunnel. Can I check as well? Have we? Have I think we've missed at this point the 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 you know like the great Jericho moment, kind of like the turning point where where you realise just how awesome the character he actually is when you know he's saying to the Doctor, you know, it's going to take more than a few statues to sort of break my spirit, mm. um, you know, and he sort of makes a fairly oblique reference to some of the the horrors he's he's seen in in the second world war yeah that's um, right yeah and then that coupled with the specific way in which the angel is trying to sort of mess with his mind and sort of like the insecurities that it's playing on with him uh, there is just uh, it, it's a masterclass i think of using just a few sentences to give a character so much depth. Yeah. Like, so much more depth than we generally see with a, with a supporting character in a story like this. Um, and, you know, 
and Kevin McNally absolutely nails it. Interestingly, you've seen Kevin McNally in Doctor Who before. Oh, really? Yeah. In, uh, in, I'm surprised you didn't recognise him because uh, we last saw him in The Twin Dilemma. Oh, really? Yeah. Who was he? Was he the intergalactic policeman? I am pretty sure that he was. You might want to double... You might just want to fact-check that. Uh, what's his name? Kevin? I, sh- I, I meant to do it earlier, and I've only just remembered. Uh, Kevin McNally. Kevin McNally Twin Dilemma. <laughs> yes, he was. He was. Yeah. Let me find it. Hugo Lang, Intergalactic yeah. Policeman. There you go. Oh, what a great episode. Yeah. He's aged I well. Say, he well, didn't look great he's... in Twin Dilemma. He looks... <laughs> He's looking good he, no, these he, days. Yeah, he, he's, he's got a very distinguished look to him. He really pulls off that tweed, doesn't he? I didn't realise he was in Pirates of the Caribbean as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's a bloody good actor. Yeah. Right, that's enough about um, him. That's enough about him. I mean, is it though, Matt? As I said, you know, this, is, this podcast is now specifically dedicated to uh, Eustatius Jericho. Oh, there's a... Motorbike just gone past my window really loud there. I'm sorry if you can hear that. Right. Uh, Yeah, so they're all surrounded by angels. Uh, Dan and Yaz find a night and day barrier. Yeah. But it's also a time barrier because they're able to talk to Miss Haywood in 1967. And also it eats sticks. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Uh, Yum, yum, yum. Miss Haywood is Peggy. Yeah. Did you see that coming? No, I didn't. No. Ah. So Peggy got blasted back in time to 1901 and then had to live there 66 years as Miss Haywood to give this information to Dan and Yaz. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's all getting a bit timey-wimey. Yeah. There's a burial site, but actually that's how the angels may have got here. And they yes. talk, talk about how the angels are cruel. They don't kill everyone. They always leave a witness so they can see, you know, how horrible they are. And again, I like this because I, I, I feel like someone's really been paying attention to uh, Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone here because that is very consistent with the way in which the angels seem to specifically toy with the Doctor. Mm-hmm in that story um you know that that it's it's not simply a matter that they're like these sort of because in in blink you could imagine that they were almost like non-sentient they yes. were just creatures just sort of like that just were, were feeding and hunting in the only way they could whereas time of angels is really where it kind of introduces a level of sentience and a level of cruelty to them. Yes. And it's nice to see that really brought out again here. Yeah. Okay, so whilst escaping, Jericho looks at an angel and is zapped yep. back to meet Dan and Yaz. 
Yeah. Uh, however, when the Doctor runs, the angels don't attack. Yeah. So she, you know, she suspects something's not quite right. Mm-hmm. So when she exits the little tunnel, she's on the mm-hmm. other side of the split, the night and day split to Dan and Yaz, and is yeah. surrounded by angels. Uh, the Doctor tells the rogue angel to surrender. That way it will save everyone in the village and the good fight can keep going. However, the angels have agreed to take the Doctor instead. She's more valuable to the division. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so another twist. Yeah. And they say, you are recalled to division. And she turns into a weeping angel. Yeah. Is this the best cliffhanger we've seen in Doctor Who? It's a pretty juicy one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know the Doctor isn't going to just remain a weeping angel forever. You know, because that would be very boring and would make for a very strange show going forwards. But it, it does effectively ramp up the peril, ramp up the tension, and also give you just that kind of like, hang on, what the hell kind of feeling. Like... Does that have implications for Time Lord lore, if you like? Mm -hmm. That there is perhaps some kind of entangling between the two. Um, Previously hinted at in um, The End of Time, where Rassilon says they shall stand like the weeping angels of old, you know. Is that just a throwaway line? Is it hinting at something deeper, you know? Time will tell. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great cliffhanger and an amazing effect shot as well. You know, with with the camera sort of. Oh, sorry, I've I've just knocked the phone off and unplugged you, Matt. Hang on. Hang on, Hello. one second. Hello, I can hear you again now. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, <clears throat> amazing effect shot with um, the. Uh, you know, camera sort of circling around the Doctor as as the transformation takes place, and uh, yeah, <coughs> worth remembering again that this was all still made like during lockdown. Yeah, and and like when you start take a step back and think about it, you know, you think about when. Uh, Claire and the Doctor are having their, you know, she's talking to the Weeping Angel and they're standing on that beach and it's, you know, it's actually, it's the same beach sort of reversed in this sort of like surreal mindscape. But obviously that it's just a case that they, they shot them on the same beach and then composited the shots together and, you know, things like that. It makes you realise just how creative they are being mm. in order to to make something, you know, that's entertaining and visually engaging, and yeah, I, I mean, this is a, this is a very good episode. My only real criticism of it, if I'm being honest, is that the the Bell and Vinda stuff feels a little bit uh, disjointed and tacked on. Well, that's it. There is Bell and Vinda stuff that is tacked on. Exactly. Because I switched so, it off and assumed the yeah, episode was finished. Yeah, you know, you 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 know, avoiding spoilers dutifully, um, and then I had to. I suddenly thought to message you when I was watching it. Did you watch the mid-credit scene, Matt? Uh, only when yeah. you 
text me to say have yeah. you watched it yeah so t- talk us through it what have we got uh, I didn't actually make any notes so this is from memory uh, okay Okay. so, so we yeah. have uh, Nemeka is just yeah. on his own again sat having a little tea or something and yeah. a voice well we hear footsteps approach and a voice says have yeah. you seen this person and yeah. it's the same way in which Bell had said, have you seen this person asking about Vinda? This time yeah. it's Vinda asking about Bell. Yeah. Um, so Nameka says, yes, I have. Um, unfortunately, she's left, but I've got this. And it's like a holographic projection of uh-huh. Bell, who wastes yeah. far too much time telling Vinda she loves him. And is unable to give him the coordinates where she's going because her phone runs out yeah. of battery. Yeah, I mean, as as a piece of technology, it is incredibly badly designed. Yeah, isn't it? Like, why why would those things be of any use to anyone? Yeah. <laughs> but hey ho, uh, because she specifically says that like, she only gets one go at it. And, like, it's clearly digital technology. One of the joys of digital technologies is very easy to wipe data and start fresh. Yeah. But no, not in this case. You use it once and then it's, per, you know, etched as though in stone. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Bell is great. useless, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, she's carrying a little person inside her. You know, she's got a lot on her plate, bless her. Um, uh, how do you feel about the whole Bell and Vinda storyline at this stage? Um, I don't want to comment. It depends on what the payoff is. What do you hope the payoff is? I, I don't know. That Vinda's been bad and he's the division all along. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, um, if it's just like, oh, no, we're just friends with the Doctor now, bye. Like, I'll hate <laughs> it. Um, there's a fan theory that went around that I'm not going to tell you about, but we will talk about it um, in our wrap-up episode. Right. Excuse me. In our wrap-up episode. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to tell you about that one. <laughs> Great. Um, I, I think it's fine. I think it's. I think what it what it does is when you're telling very grand, operatic stories on this kind of scale, you need, you need something simple to ground it, and it doesn't get much simpler than two people who are in love, and, you know, hoping to raise a family together. It gives you something, easy and straightforward to root for, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That's really the function it's serving in this story. Um, and I think it's fine. But as I say, it, it really, especially in this episode, it feels like it's been surgically grafted on. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't It doesn't feel natural at all uh, to, to the story as a whole. But still, cracking episode. Um, and... Hopefully, it's, it's raised the bar sufficiently sufficiently high for next week when we will be discussing Survivors of the Flux. Mm. Let's see. Let's see who survived and what they've been up to. Yeah. 
something to look forward to. Um, but until then, as always, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to neither the time nor the space if you wish to contact us our email address is time nor space pod at gmail.com and on twitter we are at time nor space pod and thank you to alexander urban for his smashing arrangement of the doctor who theme